0: Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity, with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host,
1: Christina Pratt.
0: Welcome, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and thank you all for hanging in there with us today. Um... I've been trying to explain lately what it is to work with a helping spirit who um, is the goddess of chaos and they they keep thinking that means that somehow I master the chaos in my life and it's no you just learn to surf it or find the eye in the center of the storm so as I call out to the spirits here today I'd like to call out to the spirits of the internet roads those spirits that uh, comb cyberspace and hold that space well for us may you show up for us here today and help us to speak these things that need to be spoken so that people can hear what needs to be heard because we're trying to pave a way for a new future and we need your help here today to open the ways open the channels and keep them open that we might do what we are here to do today so I call out to the ancestors yours and mine and all of those ancestors who lived well and died well it is on your shoulders that we stand and we the living call out to you to be with us here today and to help us help us to learn from those who have gone before us help us to feel the rich legacy that you bring to us of all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines and help us to be the place through which those rich rich lives blossom into what it is that we are called to do in our lives so i call out to you ancestors to gather around us here today and hold this space for us and hold it well and we reach down and reach all the way into the heart of the earth and to this beautiful planet whose dreaming has brought us all here at this time to share this wondrous web of life. We call out to the earth to be with us here today, to come up into our bodies and to bring to us the place of home, a place of belonging, a place of connection and interconnection that we might connect to this great web of life ourselves and know our place in the oneness to draw courage from the oneness, to do what we have come here to do, and to do it in a way that nourishes that oneness. And so we give thanks to the earth. Thanks for this day. Thanks for this life. Thanks for all that life has to bring to us, those things we understand as gifts and those who we've not yet realized our gifts because they've come in such funny disguises. So we give thanks for it all the mess and the beauty. We give thanks to this earth for our lives for this day and that miracle. And with that miracle radiating out through our bones and our veins and our nerves out through our body, let us reach up from our belly to our heart And our heart to our mind reach out through the sky, which for this very small moment here in Oregon, for this moment, it's blue. (laughs) I had forgotten the color of the sky. Anyway, rising up through the sky and out through the atmosphere and all the way up into the wonders and beauty and heavenly bodies of the cosmos, all the way to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you name that energy, name it and call it down. Drawing into yourself, drawing into your day, drawing into these proceedings, blessing. Rich, wondrous, varied, diverse blessings. We call in those blessings. We call in protection. We call in the generosity and benevolence of the universe that we might be reminded what is really going on here. And we call out to these energies to bring us the devotion and the consistency and the inspiration and the innovation to do what we have come here in this time to do so we draw down the energy of the sky from the head to the heart and the heart to the belly and let the earth and the sky mix within us in that energy that great Taoistic dance of the big love and we invite those energies to ignite our hearts may our hearts be opened here today by the work that is of this day and the work that is ahead of us may the hearts open up to that great crucible of transformation that can call up the fiery uh knowing in our belly and down the crystal clarity kind of knowing from our mind and mix and merge them and let them dance in the heart until those lovers give birth to your soul's true purpose. And as our heart feeds that purpose that it grows strong within us, may we find in our hearts the courage to live that purpose in some way. So I call out now to give thanks to the spirits that have gathered round May what needs to be said today be said, what needs to be heard be heard, and may things go forward in a way that is good for all living things. So I give thanks to all of the people that have donated to this show. I give thanks to the Society of Shamanic Practitioners for their support of the show. And I ask any of you who are moved in your hearts by the show to consider supporting the show in some way. If you'd like to support it financially, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com, click on the support button, donate any amount, large or small, it all goes directly to Keeping the Show show on the air, great gratitude to those of you that have been able to donate, and equal gratitude to those of you who spread what you gain from the show through your actions in the world, through your questions and your journeys, and through your efforts to practice a new way of living. So I give thanks to all of you for your support and for helping me to keep the show alive and growing. So I give thanks to our guest today, Will Tagle. Thank you, Will, for joining us again.
1: It's my pleasure.
0: <laughs> so Will is here today to talk to us about The Mother Tongue, Intimacy in the Ecofield, his new book, recently published, and Will's information can be found at earthtribe.com and his illustrious bio and i suggest that you go there to to look into will and all the many many facets of his life that have brought him to this place to be able to write this book and to offer us this path for going forward in this time because it will be our responsibility to create a new world and to make sure that that new world is um different than the world before you can contact will at will at earth tribe dot com and you can also connect with conversation about the mother tongue about the book to read it and become part of living it at the mother tongue one word dot org so since we're starting a little bit late today Let's forge directly ahead. We are live. If you'd like to call in, the call-in number is working, 512-772-1938. You can Skype in from the Code-CreatorNetwork.com site or email me at Christina at LastMaskCenter.org. All right. So, Will, welcome back. Thank you for being willing to just join us again this week. Congratulations on the success of the book. Um, number, it's a number three bestseller on the Amazon for philosophy and metaphysics that's right yeah and um and the kindle version everyone will be out in december if you're looking for an excellent um holiday gift for people that you hope will join you uh in the new world (laughs) so will. let's start with the essence of the book so what is the mother tongue hypothesis and what are what is this map in in its essence For us.
1: So let me uh, take you on a very brief journey around my house and property to uh, give a uh, context for your question. Um, My office uh, sits uh, near three different uh, patios, so I can step two steps. Through a sliding glass door out of my office that has computers and so on in it, into another, into a patio that has uh, beautiful blooming flowers, hummingbirds, a lot of life and activity. And so when I step from my office, which I'm going to call one eco field, in. To the patio, I'm in an entirely different eco field. And then there's another area, maybe ten steps away, that's a deck that looks out uh, across the, a vast expanse, uh, across a canyon, to uh, a distant set of buttes in the, dis- in the distance. So just just take those those three those three areas, those three uh, ecoscapes. When I sit in my office, there's one kind of communication going on with me and with my students or clients. If we take two steps out into the patio where there are the flowers and the hummingbirds, it's an enclosed area and protected from the wind. Uh, It's an entirely different experience. Or if we go out to the deck and look out to the vast expanse to the horizon, it's a completely different experience. So as I described that, nearly everybody can identify that. It, it, it's your home or office or wherever you are. You can see that, that um, this very common sense understanding that there are different uh, landscapes and ecoscapes very often just a few steps separating each other and overlapping and interacting. So with that as a background, uh, then I want to, to define what the eco-field hypothesis is according to uh, my research and also the research uh, in a branch of science that's been emerging over the last decade, a spearheaded uh, by a crack team of scientists at the University of Urbino in Italy. So an eco-field is defined in a precise scientific way as uh, a, a space configuration under a knowing umbrella where meaning and information are transferred within a a specific landscape. So that's a mouthful, but let me explain what I mean. When, when I am, uh, let's say, a student of mine and I are sitting in my office and we step outside into the patio, according to this scientific hypothesis, we step into a field where there is already a matrix of information and meaning being transferred between all elements within that domain. So, um, Al- Almo Farina and other scientists there have noticed that the actual rocks actually communicate with soil, soil with uh, grasses, grasses with insects. Insects with birds, birds with mammals, and then, of course, I added into the equation human beings, so that all of us within a very specific landscape are receiving all kinds of information all of the time. Now, what, what, we, bo- what we all know is that if we, if we step into a garden or a local city park, if, if there are incredible uh, waves of information coming to us, not only from that, that uh, sequence that I just mentioned, but ought not even to mention the ancestors and the spirits and so on that, that are present, communicating, why is it that we don't receive these messages? See, that's a really crucial question in a world where, where we have uh, hurricanes like Sandy, superstorms, and so on, why aren't we receiving messages that tell us what to do and how to behave? And and therein is my hypothesis. The language of the eco-field is being spoken in the mother tongue, and um, that's the language, a lost language, that... Shamanic practitioners and other teachers are assisting us in recovering. Okay, so I'll pause there for a moment.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Will. I think it's important. Uh, what, as I'm listening, it's important to to understand that we really are talking about no longer viewing everything from a humanocentric lens. And expecting the birch tree outside my door to communicate with me in English, but the the request now is is for me to actually relearn the mother tongue.
1: Yeah, and and we're getting all kinds of research uh, that is doing uh, telling us exactly what you're saying that, that it's almost uh, say an enormous challenge for us as humans to. Th- think about and participate in life without thinking of ourselves as the apex of evolution. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's what I, it's what, what, what I call the Neo-Copernican revolution, you know, where uh, that, that jolting moment in human history when we figured out the earth is not the center of the, of the universe.
0: Yeah, and... and, and- the other thing is I notice with students in particular that I have some students that are simply really actually better communicating in something closer to the mother tongue than they are with people. And, and it's actually challenging for, for someone like myself who does a lot of communicating with people to kind of dial back from that human communication. And and really, I learn a lot from my students that actually don't communicate with humans very well. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I think those those humans are, are few and far between, but certainly present. I, an example that I use in the book is that at the Sri Lanka 2004 tsunami, of course, we would expect that the indigenous people in the islands, the Andaman Islands, uh, the they were called the Ongay tribe uh, they they picked up the information from the tsunami and plenty of time to go to the to the high ground but what is surprising is that there was a ten year old uh, girl uh, on the beach who had this ability you just mentioned that some people you know have to communicate with the with the eco-field in such a way that she knew the tsunami was coming in time to save a hundred people. Wow. So, so yeah, there's, some of us are gifted, but most of us are just struggling to recover this innate ability to communicate at, at a deep level with our environment.
0: Well, most of us are struggling to communicate at a deep level just with our own heart.
1: Well, exactly, and that's where it starts.
0: So, hmm, not exactly the path I expected, but maybe that's the one we should take. So, so, so let's walk someone through. So they start with their heart. So, how do they start with their heart?
1: Well, in another book I've written called Wild Heart, so uh,
0: people go ahead and find it in the archives, or go yeah, by- right.
1: Yeah. So, so in that same scenario where I'm sitting in my office, this is how I discovered it a number of years ago. Uh, I, I was having a student come. And I live out in the country in the Texas Hill Country, and uh, she was accustomed to uh, uh, coming and and when we have our sessions, we often walk uh, through through the hills. And when she arrived, parked her cars, I stepped outside, and I could see that it was threatening rain. And uh, I asked her if she wanted to go ahead and walk, and she said yes. So uh, she got out of her car and me out of my office, and we put up our umbrellas and started to walk. And we walked for about an hour, and during that hour, it rained an inch and a half. And uh, I noticed how uh, enlivening it was, and, and she did too. And I said, gosh, my wild heart has been excited by this rain. And when I said that, I knew that I was really on to something, that in my inner council of selves, there is, a, there is an untamed heart an untamed aspect of me that resonates with the environment beyond my usual control. Sometimes we call that usual control the ego, but I think it's more accurate to say the usual protection and control that we have of civilization. And beyond that is is a heart that is sort of like a tuning device. And this tuning device within our heart connects with the eco field and brings in the messages. And that heart language is one version of the mother tongue.
0: And so an aspect of our path forward as individual people is to, um, of old news so that we can resonate with 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 these messages, I would imagine.
1: Right. Yeah, uh, we, we all have overlays uh, inside our lives that we've taken in from our families and from our educational processes, from the media, and so on. And these overlays are fine. I mean, these are these are aspects of ourselves that we have to learn to love, also. But but they in, in most of us they have access to the inner microphone and they dominate it they hold on it with with white knuckles <laughs> yes. and, and and we we, we have to, in in order to speak the mother tongue we have to slowly loosen the hold on the inner mo- microphone or the inner talking stick and and begin to pass it around until finally it gets into the hands of that aspect of ourselves like Tilly Short that knows how to speak the syntax or the grammar of the mother tongue.
0: And so this is per, is at least part then of why we're talking about intimacy with the eco-fields, because this, this comes through our heart. We can't do this through our head.
1: Right, right. Well... Yeah, we, we, it goes deeper than, uh, really deeper than either feeling or thought. It well, gets in, into the paleo mammalian part of our of our lives.
0: And so, so, so after, so, so okay, so we, a bunch of shamanic people are listening here. Wild heart piece. Now, where do we go from here with the mother tongue? Well,
1: well, for for shaman, uh, for shamanic practitioners, look, let me let me outline four kinds of shamanism that right. that uh, that I I have through the you know all of my life I've been working on this. So um, I noticed, first of all is is the kind of shamanism that majors in altered states of comp, uh, consciousness. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this would be the kind made popular by Don Juan Matus, Michael Harner, and so on and so forth. So that we want to get into an altered state of consciousness in order to speak the mother tongue. And that that's, that's, a, that's a good approach. Then a second kind, and, and picture a, a table with four legs. The second leg would be the kind of shamanism that you find in, in more deeply indigenous people uh, described by David Abram in the spell of the sensuous and, and so on. And, and, and here, the role of the shaman is, yes, have an altered state of consciousness, but the main function of the shaman is to uh, open the pathway between humans and more than humans, or as I would say, Uh, the learning of the mother tongue. And and this is the kind of shamanism where the primary function of the shaman is to build balance and harmony between humans and more than humans within a specific eco-field. And then a, a third kind of shamanism would be what I would call psychologically based shamanism. That uh, works with uh, beginning with uh, clearing out the psychological overlays, the kind of shamanism practiced by Bill Kl- Plotkin and Soulcraft and uh, San- Sandra Ingerman and so on, where where you're where you're uh, beginning with your cleaning out your own emotional debris, and then eventually, like like Carl Jung. You, you get beneath the personal consciousness and sort of tunnel into the collective unconscious, which which is Jung's version for what I'm calling the eco-field. Okay, so those are three different kinds of shamanism, very different, all related, but people tend to kind of find a center of gravity in one or the other of those. Mm-hmm. So, so then the fourth leg, of shamanism would be the kind that I that I aspire to would be the ability to move easily in all of those practices, and so so that would be uh, I would say the task of the shamanic practitioner in our day would be to take students and clients and selves into an immersion of all of those so that in the immersion there is the learning of the emerging fluency in this mother tongue, which is absolutely necessary in a, an environment that's so highly charged with climate warming.
0: As I'm listening to you talk about this, Will, I'm, I'm getting a flash of a theme that I found in working on the encyclopedia, which is after shamans became masterful in their, to continue, they had to give themselves over to the grandmothers. Mm-hmm. And that my sense is it was the grandmothers that helped them become this fourth kind of shaman. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And and, and you rec- you recognize in the science of ecofields uh, that that uh, this is very similar, of course, to a vibrating sacred web, mm-hmm. which is the ancient way of talking about it. I heard a I heard a, uh, I heard a uh, Mayan shaman uh, the other day. And uh, you know, fresh out of the jungle, and I don't know whether he got this on YouTube or wherever, but he he he, he made this statement. He said, uh, "I don't have a lot of uh, confidence in any white people except quantum physicists. They they're the only ones who understand the calendar." <laughs> oh, okay. So I, I mean, I don't even, I mean, I I I don't know how true that is, but for me it was a beautiful expression of how the ancient and 21st science are so compatible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. So where do we go from, where do we go from here in our conversation of moving us towards, um, what else do we need to understand, I guess, about the hypothesis and about this book to begin to live it? And maybe I'd like to end with a second question is what might it look like if we were living uh, the hypothesis as if it were truth?
1: Okay. Uh, let me shift the words just a little bit. I was talking about a table with four legs. Let's now talk about a spiral. Mm-hmm. And there's a large part of the book where, where I, I go through this spiral. And uh, if you think of the spiral of evolution that all of us are in, according and according to this metaphor, uh, most spiritual traditions encourage us to ascend up the spiral. This is true of the Abrahamic religions. This is true of Greek philosophy. This is true of Buddhism, and so on and so forth. That is, we're ascending, we're, we're going up Jacob's Ladder. Uh, we're we're uh, in in Buddhist sense we're moving away from samsara suffering to nirvana and so on and, and 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 the main point of my book for shamanic practitioners is that is that we are uniquely gifted by the spirit world with the ability to descend the spiral that is to go down 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 deep into ourselves, but also into the interlocking eco-fields that eventually lead to the spirit world. And there we can retrieve this deep ability to be intimate with trees and rocks and birds and, and, and ancestors and spirit guides. And as we retrieve this deeply within ourselves, and each other, through community as well. Then we have the fuel, the power, the radiance to begin to ascend the spiral once again, only this time we've gone underneath all of Western civilization to the indigenous, and we're bringing with us having retrieved our deep souls, our wild hearts, and taking a, taking them with us. And as we go, then we have this gift to present to the culture that's so deeply hungry for that which lies underneath all of our usual assumptions.
0: So there's this... this this beautiful explanation of going down the spiral and coming up with our deep self and our wild heart. And as we come up, how, how does it
1: affect the people? Well, okay. Uh, see, I work with the assumption that I'm, I'm just this ordinary guy trucking along, and I look inside myself. And I find many, many aspects of myself. And two of the aspects I find uh, are my inner skeptic and my inner scientist. And so I I work with the with the proposal that nearly everybody in our culture has an inner skeptic and an inner scientist, whether you think that way of yourself or not. If you if you know, if you grew up in, in this culture that you're going to have those two aspects, most of us anyway. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as I come up the spiral with the deep sense, like, like, like the Mayan shaman I mentioned, mm-hmm. I bump into the 21st century, uh, insights that are coming from biology and, and, uh, physics and, uh, uh the explorers of the photon fields and so on and i re- i resonate and when i resonate i can say to my inner skeptic see this this is actually real stuff this is not this is not just a bunch of uh, metaphysi- metaphysician sh- shaman stuff. This, this this actually works in the world you're interested in yeah so then, I start to be healed. See, because I'm bringing out, uh, I'm bringing in myself, my scientist and skeptic together, together with my soul. Hmm. And and when they get together, wow! What what a power! What a force to face the world that we live in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So so as we do this. And we bring that together to face whatever the challenges of our day are, what might happen? What might that look like um, if the mother tongue... You know, I always think about hypotheses. The only way to test it is to live it. Mm-hmm. It's true. So if we were living it as if it is true, and we're, we're bringing this, this um, existence into manifestation how how do things begin to what does begin to look like in the world around us
1: well for one thing i think as we journey up and down the spiral and that really is the essence of shamanism the ability to move easily between the worlds. uh, as we develop this ability i think we find that along the way we meet all different forms of ourselves. We meet uh, the part of us that's a warrior. We meet the part of us that's a rule keeper. We meet the part of us that's a conservative. We meet the part of us that's a liberal. We meet the part of us that's a Democrat and a Republican, and so, so on and so forth, male, female, so on. and as uh, Because you can't move on the spiral without... The spiral mirroring for you all these different facets that live inside, sometimes in the shadow. Just a quick example for for the listeners. Uh, Just think for a moment of a a public figure that you really loathe and disgusts you. Maybe a, a political figure or a Hollywood figure. And as soon as you locate that person, then that person beca- is a mirror for a quality in yourself that that you're not willing to face at the moment. So when we journey on the spiral, we get these mirrors. So, so I went, in that example, I just went underneath a little bit. So I live in Texas, and uh Uh, So we have a governor that I'm not uh, uh, very uh, fond of. And yet when I look at the quality in him that I don't like, it's also a quality in me I don't like. So if I can embrace that quality and bring it in, then I can have a potential intimacy with all of my friends who do like him. Because I'm no longer pushing away from them by having this uh, dislike or this disgust in my heart.
0: So then it sounds like we're better able to be in uh, relationship perhaps with the more than humans.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, ex- exactly. Exactly. And. And the more than humans are really reaching out to us, they're not only wanting to give us information, they're wanting information from us. And that's a whole other topic. But uh, I think it's common uh, in shamanic circles to think that we can listen to the spirit world or to the eco-field or to the various aspects. We've been finding in some of our vision quests and so on that uh, recently in September we were in a forest and, and a whole circle of redwood trees said to one of the questers, um, I, I want you to uh, open your mind because we want to download this book that you just read. Hmm. And and so the quester said, what? They <laughs> said, What? And the message came again. Yeah, we're we're really interested in what you're reading. So she just sort of opened her mind, opened her heart, and she said, "I actually felt like something was kind of reaching in and pulling out the information that I had." Hmm. Then, uh, uh, when that was completed, she was lying there in her in her circle, and uh, uh, before long, she got this impression. Uh, that said, we wish you'd read the last chapter. (laughs) (laughs) And so what I love about that story is the reciprocity involved, that that we're in this together, and and that's what intimacy is. We're in this together, and and I can let you know me, but also I become aware as I become fluent in the mother tongue, you want to know me.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if, if, if how, how is this going to support us or how does this help us then to meet the challenges ahead, it, let's just say in the environment, in the, in the climate and such, differently than how we are or aren't meeting it right now?
1: Well, you know, a lot of information is coming in from archaeology. Uh, with the newer uh, GPS locating sites that we never knew before, particularly in Meso and South America, uh, we're, we're finding out that that uh, ancient Mes- Mexico, for example, may have had a larger population than current Mexico, <laughs> and and yet they had learned how to live in a more basic harmony with their environment. There are instances in the Amazon, for example, they discovered in Bolivia, uh, where where there were, there were there was farming the size of France several thousand years ago. So these people may well have known about living with the environment in a because they spoke the tongue more fluently than we, they may have known, they may have secrets to tell us if we can contact the ancestral world mm-hmm. that, that are that are key for our own survival as a species. And I'm convinced of that.
0: Well, Will, I know that you have... Um teaching to get to so is there anything you'd like to say in closing that we haven't quite gotten to yet we have four minutes
1: yeah you know what i'd like to say is just just breathing for a moment uh, and relaxing and uh knowing that you have s- such wonderful shamanic practitioners that tune in to this as well as other interested people and just say um uh, bringing to mind that uh, incident I mentioned with the sequoia forest is, the, is that we're in this together, and uh, to the extent that we can open our body, minds, and souls, and begin to resonate and uh, and make connections like we have with the internet yay we we we've made it today by and large and 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 as we can do more of this then this opens the way this 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 is this is a, this opens the possibility of our congress to talk with each other this opens the way for us to talk with each other and this most important opens the way for us to to be with with the uh, eco-fields, the more-than-humans all around us, who not only want to give us their secrets, they would like to know ours.
0: Into that reciprocity and intimacy and in relationship, it would be a different world.
1: It would. And Brian Swim, the, the great mathematician, when asked what direction the universe is going since it's expanding, he said famously, we're going in the direction where every element of the universe will know every other element in its depths. Beautiful.
0: Thank you, Will. Thank you for joining us here today and bringing us this. um, And thank you for all that went into bringing us this uh, work, um, the mother tongue intimacy with the eco field so that we could learn and grow and become more intimate.
1: Yeah. And I would just say in closing, uh, my prayers reach out that that to all the shamanic practitioners that your inner skeptics could could join hands with the inner shaman. <laughs>
0: yes, thanks Will. So oh, okay. if you to contact Will directly, you can reach him at will at earthtribe.com uh will thank you so much for joining us here today i know you need to run to teach i'm just deeply grateful thank you for your patience and thank you for your
1: gifts great i look forward to our visiting again sometime
0: thanks will so um you all can find more about will's work at Earthtribe.com. a second website is themothertongue.org And that is set up to begin to um, work with the book, communicate about it. Um, for those of you that want to purchase the book, it is available at Amazon now in uh, paperback and um, will be in a Kindle version in December. It is a great um, – to pass the word is a great gift, not only for the receiver of the book, but for our, relation, our relations with all things. So thank you all um, for joining me here today to talk about – talk with Will and to hear about the mother tongue, intimacy with the eco-field. In the last few minutes here on the show, I'd like to shift gears for a moment. Um, A dear friend and colleague of mine is working right now to raise money for the next phase of getting a script she has written for a movie called American Ubuntu. And this... This, from my perspective, well, I've actually read many versions of this script along the way, as she has worked tirelessly on it for years. And um, for me, this is the movie many of us want to see, which is a movie that approaches real-world issues shamanically and arrives at real answers. I think it would be a great, a fun movie to see just anyway but for me extra specially satisfying because of the shamanism so so many scripts that we see uh, put out by Hollywood romanticize the the one shaman character in some completely unrealistic way making it ever harder for us to actually do our work or they make an entire hash out of the shamanism completely Um, okay so Avatar was lovely but it did leave people saying I wish I lived there it didn't remind people that they already do and so this is my frustration with movies which I love as you all know is the shamanism is not well done and in this script it is well done. And so um Lenore Norgaard um ha- her script is, oh, sorry. She's currently doing her Kickstarter campaign for the script. That's my point. Sorry. Getting caught up in my passion for the movie and forgetting the point here. So she's raising funds right now. And for those of you that don't know about Kickstarter campaigns, if you do not raise your total, you do not get anything. So it's important, Uh, the fundraising campaign goes for a particular period of time, you need to log on to the Kickstarter site, you can, um, there's a whole bunch of information there from Lenore about the movie, about the script, um, about the dreams and desires and everything that has gone into it, and um, you can find the link, which I can't possibly read correctly here on the radio show, but you can find the link on my website. I decided that was the easiest way to do this. So if you go to lastmaskcenter.org, on my homepage, if you look in the, on the homepage, there is an image, uh, the movie, a movie poster, and an opportunity to click. Click there, to a link that will take you to Lenore's Kickstarter campaign. Any amount of money, if a gajillion of you donated $5, she'd have more than she needs. So um, I'm encouraging a gajillion of you to do so. And um, let's help Lenore get this movie made. Um, one of my um, absolute favorite ideas at the very heart of this movie is about... Uh, actually what Will was just talking about what if the medicine that you needed was locked in your enemy's heart what if that was really all that was going on here right now that was keeping us from a bright and beautiful future and this movie actually unlocks that and it's um, sexy and wonderful and a a great script a great story as well so please um, if you feel so inspired go to my website last Maskcenter.org. Click on the link to Lenore's Kickstarter campaign. And if you like what you see there, um, please donate. And always remember for those of you that are donating here, donating to my radio show, many people offering a very little bit adds up to a lot. And this is an understanding we all need to grow to if we're going to have intimacy with each other and with the eco fields. It's not necessarily about. The great uh, events, the person that donates $10,000, it's about the 10,000 people that each donate five. And so thank you all. Thank you all for your generosity. Thank you all for your hearts. Thank you all for the ways that you can help to make good things happen in the world. Um, so I'd like to thank the spirits of cyberspace for keeping the lines open for us here today. I give thanks to our ancestors for gathering around, for having a good sense of humor where we're utterly confused, and for guiding us forward in new ways in the time in which we are the living. I give thanks to the earth below, the sky above, and I give particular thanks to your gorgeous hearts, because it is the heart, and in particular the wild heart, that unites us all. Thank you, everyone, for joining me this week. I'm not the one